Luke chapter 2 is the passage that we have been ruminating on for the past couple weeks. In a five-part series, this is part number three, so we've kind of reached the peak and everything's downhill from here, but kind of in an uphill way. And Luke chapter 2 verse 14 is the passage that we have been focused in on in particular. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among people with whom he is well pleased. That's what we focused on last week. This week, we're focusing on glory to God in the highest, on earth, peace among people, peace among humanity. And you remember that last week we learned Jesus was sent that we may experience peace with God, that God is the initiator of our experience with peace, that through the Christmas narrative, the nativity, that God initiated a world of peace for us to live in. And today, we explore what it is like for us to participate in that world and to partner with God in his reign of peace. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 20, read this way. This is a Christmas passage, did you know? I'm sure you've read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 20 before you opened presents last year. Yeah, you caught it. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Amen, we witnessed that today with baptisms. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift. See, I told you it was a Christmas passage. Is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Today's sermon in a nutshell was that handful of verses. We can invite the special music up. We can, we can pray. We can say amen and go on with our day. It's all in this passage. You don't believe me? You don't believe the words of Paul? What about the words of Jesus? Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the what? peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. To be a peacemaker is to be part of God's family. That's what 2 Corinthians has told us. God has extended peace, reconciliation, so that we might extend it to others. And when we do this, when we participate in the extension of God's peace to others, we are acting as a member of God's family. Being a peacemaker is a marker of having a seat at God's table. Now, your family of origin might have a different marker. You know, maybe it was everybody having the same t-shirt at Disney World and we wear it on Thursday, right? Or maybe it's the, the family reunion picture and we all have to be coordinated with the, the same look. Maybe there was a trade or skill that your parents passed on to you that you plan on passing on to your children. Maybe there's a particular talent or a particular interest that you pass on from generation to generation that marks members of your family. For God, that marker is peace. We are members of God's family when we engage in peacemaking. Diane Chen puts it this way in her commentary on Luke. In the end, God's initiative meets human response to actualize eternal peace between both parties. Because God's initiative always comes first, human responsiveness presupposes divine favor. 
In other words, God acts, we respond, and it's because of God's favor that we are able to extend peace. So I invite you today to turn with me to Luke chapter 10. It's going to be the passage that we're studying today to understand how we participate in the world of peace. How do we become participants in the kingdom that God is building? Luke chapter 10, Jesus is calling his disciples together. It's the second missionary trip that he sends them on. This time, instead of the 12, it's 72. And this is just kind of a window into the, into the locker room, into the, the pregame coach pep talk. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Thanks, Jesus. Makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. In other words, I have a mission and the mission is fruitful. You will reap the harvest. Don't be distracted by anything. Don't take anything with you that would distract you. I want you to go prepare the way before me so that people can know that the kingdom of heaven is near. And notice what Jesus tells them is their first task after they have gone. Luke chapter 10, verses five and six. When you enter a house, first say what? Peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. This pronouncement is a blessing of peace. It's an invitation. Peace be upon you and your household. And if that peace was reciprocated, those early disciples and missionaries would enter into that home and they would stay in that home and recognize that home and that person as a person of peace. Peace would be multiplied, be an environment that was created. And Jesus says, don't worry. If they don't respond with peace, the peace will come back to you. See, peace is never wasted. When you extend it, whether somebody else picks it up or not, it's never wasted. It always comes back to you. Reynolds Sequera puts it this way, since peace, Irene in the New Testament, reflects the all-incomprehensive Jewish concept of shalom, the responsibility of the implementation of peace does not repose upon government and the political powers only. The individual is directly concerned with it and it is his responsibility to work for it. We have a responsibility to carry peace. Joel Green puts it this way in his commentary on Luke. Peace is portrayed in this passage not merely as something one might wish for another, but as an entity that can be transmitted and possessed or returned. Inasmuch as peace is a gift from Yahweh, the nature of Jesus' directive is to identify these sent ones as persons capable of extending the peace that is God's to others. In other words, we are carriers of God's peace to the world. Now, in a post-COVID-19 world, the sense of being a carrier has a little bit more of a negative connotation. We're not even gonna go there with the conversations around masks and vaccines, right? If you're carrying COVID, please don't spread it. But the peace that God has given us, he says carry it and spread it so that everybody can access peace. So think about it this way. Imagine every interaction that you have, 
every meal you have with your family, every time that you drive on the parking lot that is I-35, every time you interact with your boss at work, in the Zoom call, in the classroom, in the dorm room, at the grocery store, at the, you get the picture. That every interaction that you have with someone else, what would it look like for that action to be precipitated by a blessing of peace? That as I come to you and as you come to me, we are praying peace upon one another. What impact do you think that would have in our world? I think a tremendous impact. And it's often as simple as a smile. I like how Mother Teresa puts it. She says, peace begins with a smile. We can influence others' lives by softening our expression and turning the corners of our lips heavenward. I think that that's pretty cool. I remember when we were living in Berrien Springs, Michigan, you know, every pastor has to go through the sojourn and exodus through Berrien Springs and the Seventh-day Adventist Theological Seminary that's on the campus of Andrews University. I really enjoyed my time. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we had a post office box in downtown Berrien Springs. And downtown Berrien Springs is a lot like downtown Keene. You blink and you miss it. It's very small, very quaint. And the post office box, downtown Berrien Springs, I had a gap in between classes. And I said, hey, let, I'm going to go check the mail. So I park across the street, walk across the crosswalk, go towards the front door, and out of the corner of my eye, I see a woman who's crossing the crosswalk behind me. And I go to open the door, and I do the mental calculation that some of you may be aware of, of judging how far the person is behind me that determines the obligation that I have to open the door for them. Because if they're far enough away, then I can just sneak in and like everything's good. But if they're close, then I am obligated, right? So mental calculation goes and something stops me. You have all the time in the world, what's your rush? Hold the door open for her, okay? So I open the door and I stand there with a little smile on my face. And you know that moment when you have had the door open for you or you're holding it for someone and somehow the person whom the door is being held for feels this urge and obligation to kind of begin this, this kind of shuffle? Like, I got, I got to get towards the door because the five more seconds that will take for me to get to the door is an imposition on you who's already taking time to, you get the point, right? And so she begins that kind of slow, like, shuffle jog towards the door. And I always, I was just like, it's okay. Like, take your time, right? And she says a quick thank you on the way in through the door. And, and I come in, the door closes behind me, and she stops right there in that, the first lobby where all the post office boxes are. She turns around and she looks me right in the eyes and she says, I just want you to know that today has not been a great day for me. And in my mind, I knew it was like 9.15 in the morning and my mind was like, how bad could today be? It's only 9.15. Thankfully, my filter caught that one, you know, like filter engaged. I didn't say, I was like, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. Just you don't know how much it means, how much it means to me that you held the door open for me and smiled. The world needs more people like that. I said, hey, I'm, I'm honored to just, I'm here to serve. So I go over to my post office box and she goes over to where the, the cash, cashier's office is. There's another door in there. She goes through it and she pauses again and she looks back at me. She says, sir, you've changed the trajectory of my day and I'm thankful for that. Into the cashier's office, I get my mail. We go on with our lives and I've never seen her again. You could be sitting here today. I don't, I don't know. 
But each and every day in the little interactions that we have with the people around us, we have the opportunity to affect people's lives in real ways and to change trajectories. You've had those moments where a simple smile, a word of kindness has altered the experience of today. That it was once one way before and now it's different because someone took the time to care in even the small ways. And it's those, those smiles, those reach outs, those, those kind words that can alter the literal trajectory of someone's life. And it all, small, all starts with the small things taking the time to extend a blessing of peace everywhere that we can. Jesus continues with his encouragement to the disciples in verses seven through nine. He says, stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near. I love those three verses. Because what the disciples are encouraged to do is to grow roots in community and stay as long as they're welcome. And while they're there, they're encouraged to make a positive impact on people's lives. To literally heal the sick and proclaim the proximity of the kingdom of God. And I think it's, it's awesome that our, our church, our forever family, has taken on a project that's fulfilling this mission that says we want to be about the healing of our community and we're going to dedicate a space towards that. And along the way, as we heal the sick, we will proclaim the proximity of the kingdom of God. Remember Psalm 23 when the psalmist talks about goodness, love, and mercy following after you for all the days of your life and you'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever? I used to think that passage meant that I received goodness, love, and mercy. That if I followed the shepherd, then the shepherd would bestow that on me. And yes, that's, it's true, but I don't think that that's what the psalmist is getting after. You see, when a shepherd takes care of sheep, the shepherd has to monitor what the, she what the sheep eat, what they drink, where they're next to, their home, where they're sleeping, all of this. And there comes a point where a pasture can be overeaten by the sheep. But a good shepherd leading a sheep will leave behind a fertilized, well-manicured park for anyone to enjoy. That's the essence of Psalm 23 and goodness, love, and mercy following us. It's that as we as disciples of Jesus, followers of the way, Leave behind us a blessing of peace, goodness, and love for other people to experience. That as we move through a place, we leave it better than it was to begin with. That's the essence of this passage. Joel Green, again, the Gospel of Luke and the New National Commentary of the New Testament. It says, importantly, one does not predetermine to whom God's wholeness is transmitted. The division that results from the communication of peace is without human premeditation, but arises through its acceptance or rejection. In other words, you and I, we extend peace indiscriminately. That you and I are not the gatekeepers of who has access to the wholeness that God wants to give. 
It's the onus of the person we're extending to whether they will accept it or they will reject it. That's true peace. And Jesus does warn his disciples that all might not go well. What do you do when you're not welcomed? Well, Luke chapter 10, verses 10 through 12. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it'll be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Jesus says to the town where you don't receive the welcome, where peace is not reciprocated, take the dust from that town, wipe it from your sandals and move on. Don't waste your time. Because even if you wanted to force them to have peace, you couldn't. Because forced peace merely postpones unresolved conflicts. We see it. It's being played out on a world stage as we speak. The ceasefire last week called between Israel and Hamas, a truce for seven days. Peace. But that peace was forced. And all it did was postpone unresolved conflict that is hurting millions of people and taking innocent lives. All in the name of peace. True peace, however, is an environment and an atmosphere that is built through reconciling love. That by extending peace to someone else and peace being reciprocated, it is opening up the atmosphere the environment for peace to exist. And the vehicle for achieving such peace is reconciling love. That those in your circles will be drawn together and you would be an example of the reconciling love that God has given to humanity and begin extending that to the people around you. In 1969, I remember it well, just kidding. How many of you heard of the TV show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Grew up with Mr. Rogers, a few of us, right? An episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood that aired in 1969. Remember, 1960s, American history, Jim Crow laws, racial divide and prejudice, Civil Rights Act, it's all in the wake of that. And Mr. Rogers, a white man, invited Officer Clemens, a black man, onto his television show. And on the TV set that day, was a kiddie pool and a couple of towels and two chairs. You see, at the time, there were images being circulated of people throwing acid in a pool because there were people in that pool that they didn't think should be there. They were uncomfortable with racially integrated community pools. But Mr. Rogers prepares the kiddie pool, invites Officer Clements to dip his feet in the pool and Mr. Rogers does too. And they're having a conversation about what the water feels like and all of those things. And when they're done with that conversation and they're ready to take their feet out of the pool, Mr. Rogers takes a towel and he gives it to Officer Clemens and Officer Clemens dries his feet. Then Mr. Rogers takes the same towel that Officer Clemens just used and uses it to dry his own feet. This episode aired in 1969. White man and a black man, same pool, same towel. And Mr. Rogers opens up an environment for reconciling love and demonstrates to this country 
that the color of our skin should not divide us, that we are people, brothers and sisters, with the same blood coursing through our veins. Desmond Tutu put it this way, if you want peace, you don't talk to your friends, you talk to your enemies. Talk to the person the world says is your enemy. Talk to the person that you're not supposed to be talking to with peace. And peace will be perpetuated. Ellen White says this way in Thoughts for the Mount of Blessings, page 28. Christ followers are sent to the world with a message of peace. Whoever by the quiet, unconscious influence of a holy life shall reveal the love of Christ. Whoever by word or deed shall lead another to renounce sin and yield his heart to God is a peacemaker. At its core, to be a peacemaker and a part of the family of God is evangelistic. You want to tell some people about Jesus? Start extending peace. And it begins with a smile. Because God is working on putting this whole world back together. Trying to make everything as it should be. And the God of the universe invites you and me to participate with him in making peace. That's the pronouncement of a baby born in Bethlehem. The Prince of Peace has come to earth. And now you and I, through everyday action, have the opportunity to participate with God in perpetuating the kingdom of peace that Jesus brings. Because everything as it should be, well, that begins with you, and it begins with me. Father, you're the reason that we have life. We're thankful that you saw reason in us to give of your life so that we could have that life. Father, today, may we participate in this grand scheme of reclaiming the world through peacemaking. May we not just keep the peace, but may we actively pursue the person of peace and through word and deed, extend that blessing to each and every person that we encounter. God, we love you. We look forward to seeing you soon. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Go today in grace and in peace.